What's up, everybody? It's been a minute since the last time I've been on. It's, so much has gone on down, and I can't wait to jump into today's episode. But before we do that, I want to thank somebody. And at first, I was so angry with this person for the longest time, but I never had hate for them. I never understood why I was upset with them. I thought maybe because they were a cause, maybe because they were an accomplice, maybe because I needed someone to blame. But I have to give this person a shout out because if it wasn't for this person, I wouldn't be where I'm at right at this moment. This person was, I believe, a big chess piece in what went down, you know, a while back, you know, kind of was a catalyst and was a push into my new life. And I, I don't I don't want to go into too much detail, but if this person's listening, Matthew Leo, I want to directly say something to you. I want to tell you, man, that I respect you. For the longest time, I thought I hated you because I needed someone to blame. But I now understand that if it wasn't for your influence, if it wasn't for you being bamboozled into my home situation and what was going down in my life, you were such a push in the direction out of a very toxic environment. And I'm really sad that you got put in the middle of it. You know, I'm really sad you didn't you you didn't see what was going on behind the scenes. But I knew eventually I was going to get a chance to either speak to you in person or even speak to you right now. But just know I have no ill will towards you. And I want to thank you so much, man, because to be honest, so much has happened because of those events. And my life has just been so much more gratifying and it's been so much more fulfilled. And I just, I don't want I, I, I for the longest time, I was just so mad at you. But it wasn't your fault. It was mine. And I just wanted to pay homage to you. And, you know, you seem like a great guy. I'm very sad you got put in the middle of my personal bullshit. Never wanted that to happen. But unfortunately, it wasn't my narrative that you were getting pulled into. It was somebody else's. So, I wish you well, man. Bienvenidos a mi amor vicioso. I'm your host, Drayden Cruz. It has been a minute. It's been about a month and a half. And so much has gone down in that month and a half. I mean, I had to take a break. I had to do some real lifestyle changes for what went down yeah, back in the first couple weeks of January. And realistically put me on today's episode. And I'm glad that I took the time to rest and to piece myself together because it was a very stressful, very scary time. You know, I'm I'm 39 years old and health shit start arises, you know, arising. And, you know, it's it's not it's not fun. And you know, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually sober. And not drinking on this podcast. Normally, I'm a couple drinks in, but not today. And I was talking to a dear friend of mine. I was just in Phoenix in Scottsdale, Arizona. Allison Dubois, who she's a New York, you know, best-selling Times author. She's a psychic medium. She's 
well known for her program our story about her life a medium on uh patricia arquette played her and of course the dinner from hell on the real housewives of beverly hills that still haunts her to this very day but i told allison you know what you can't be mad at that it made you a gay icon so you need to just embrace it and allison's a very successful podcast host she's a very successful author and you know she she's an entrepreneur and during the Super Bowl, I went to go hang out with her and her husband, Joe, and we got to a lot of talking. She was giving me a lot of feedback on my podcast, and she was giving me advice, life advice. This woman is like my big sister. We've been friends for almost two decades, and although sometimes we bicker like brother and sister, I mean, realistically, we are, and... I look up to her. She's one of my elders. She's one of my best friends. And, I, you know, and whenever she feels a need and she's one of the few people I allow to school me or to talk down to me or give me a dressing like nanny. Like she is one of the very few people in my life that I truly look up to for all their struggles and all their, you know, accomplishments. And Allison... I went over there and she was like, you know, Drayden, what's been going on with you? You know, and she's like, what's what's going on? I can always tell that there's something up. And I said, you know what, Al? You know, I've been having a little bit of heart issues. And, you know, it, it's a little freaky. And, you know, the doctors had told me that I couldn't drink alcohol. I couldn't have caffeine until they figured out what was going on. And she started bringing up. What were the underlying issues? What was what, what was I hurting? What what was going on deep down inside? She's like, you know what's going on with you, Drayden? You're suffering from a broken heart. It's like all the things that happened to you growing up, all the heartaches, all the betrayals, all the turmoil, all the trauma, all the stress. You've been harboring it and your body just doesn't know how to release it. And it's coming in the form of a regular heartbeat. It's coming in the form of panic. You really need to learn how to align yourself with peace and tranquility in order to let things go. Because the doctors, you know, I'll give you guys the rundown of what, what went down um, soon, but you know, right now, they don't know what's going on with me. All they know is stimulus triggers something in my body and I, you know, get this heart arrhythmia. And, you know, I've been I've been off drugs for 10 years now off all the really hard stuff. I just won't touch it. I don't like to be around it. I don't judge people that do drugs. I really don't. You want to fucking party? Party. Do the drugs. I started doing drugs when I was... 14 or 15 years old. So I started really young and I regret starting all this madness when I was super young, but I'm also really grateful because I don't have to do them now. You know, my body's like, all right, motherfucker, you're, you're almost 40 and you can't be doing this shit anymore. And it's been showing itself. Even when I get angry, you want to get upset. Even with all these things, they, they just affect me differently. And I just, you know, last month I lost about four family members to heart disease. And 
I was just like, I'm not trying to fucking die of heart disease. I'm not trying to have heart failure. I'm not trying to have anything wrong with my heart. Nothing. And so I, I had to really just stop and contemplate what life was meaning to me. What were the things that were giving me the energy and giving me the drive to push myself forward, but also the things that were holding me back, right? Because all of this stuff ties in to your health, your heart, your brain, blood pressure, right? Disease comes from stress. Stress is the number one killer in America. And I'm sorry, but no one's stressing me the fuck out to the point of death. So when symptoms happen, when signs start happening, right? When there's early warnings, when there's early warnings and what's happening to me right now is early warnings, meaning my body's telling me, bruh, if you don't get your shit together, if you don't clean this fucking dirt trap up, you are going to have serious problems later on down the line. And they're right, right? I was harboring so much shit that it's starting to affect my day-to-day, right? My blood pressure goes up when I get upset. But what are the things that are making me upset that are so fucking significant enough for me to think, hey, this person or these things are affecting you to the point of you can get sick. And I started being like, absolutely, no way, Jose. No one in this motherfucking life in this world other than myself is worth me getting sick for. Anything. Family trauma, relationship drama, whatever the fuck it is. Nothing is worth it. If I'm, I'm going to take myself out. If anyone's killing myself, it's going to be me. No one is fucking taking me out unless something fucking, someone drops me dead or I get some fucking cancer or some shit, but no. And so about 40 days ago, about 35, 40 days ago, I went out with my friends. I had just gotten back from Florida and in Atlanta and, you know, I was just... I, I was on a I was on a high note, and I went out with some friends. I went out to this bar called Act Bar and went out drinking, dancing. Just had the most amazing day. And at the next morning, at eight o'clock in the morning, I wake up with a little bit of a rapid heart rate, and I was like, oh, I think I'm just hungover. And my friend Raymond was sleeping next to me. One of my best friends, my friend Raymond, spent the night, and I was like. I was like, ah, let me go drink some water. Let me just, like, well, I can breathe this out. And then I noticed it didn't stop. And it kept going. And it kept going. And it got faster and faster. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm having a panic attack. So I wake up, Raymond. Raymond, wake up. You need to, you know, we got, we got to snap me out of this. And Raymond's all freaking out. And I, I, I have my tactics when... When I'm uh, having an anxiety attack, when I have a pack attack, I have, you know, pill in the pocket. I have ice. I mean, I have so many different tactics, but everything I was doing was not working. And I ended up having to go to the ER 
and this episode lasted for about 17 hours. Um, finally, I was able to, my heart was able to calm down and I ended up going home. And for the next few days, I was having episodes and the doctors pretty much told me, they're like, look, whatever is happening, we need to figure out what this is. So we need to get you to an uh, expert cardiologist at Cedar sinai in Beverly Hills. And we need to figure out what's going on with you. But you're going to have to do some lifestyle changes, meaning you can't drink, no caffeine, no stress levels, no fighting, no nothing that's going to get your heart rate going. Nothing that's going to get your blood pressure going. And I was just like, what the fuck do you mean? What do you mean? They're like, absolutely. You Until we find out what is triggering this, any stimulus has to go. And I remember about five years ago, I went through a detox from alcohol. And when you are not like willingly detoxing from alcohol and you're kind of being told to detox from alcohol, it is not fun. Because if you gold go like quit cold turkey from anything, you're gonna have you're gonna have a little bit of issues. And normally I cope with fast food or chocolate or caffeine or a vape or something, right? No, it was no stimulants, no coffee, no alcohol, no nothing. And you can't have sex for three weeks. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And you might just took all the life away from me. And them fucking three weeks, they were not fun. They were not fun because my body went through so many waves of emotions during this period of what I like to call the broken heart syndrome of 2024. I had to face my day-to-day things and things I had been packing away and things that I had not been wanting to deal with. I had to face them dead on with no coping mechanism. Meaning if I got mad, I had to figure out how to deal with that anger with no coping mechanism. If I got horny, I had to look at my genitals and be like, sorry, sir. There will be no release today. And granted, with all the all the things that were mustering in my body, I would get aroused and my blood pressure would go up because I'd be like, oh my God, I need to release myself. No. It, there was none of that. I was I was masturbating probably like once a week. Granted, and I'm I love to have sex. I love my sexual behavior. And I'm actually really glad that I went on a bender when I was on vacation even the night before actually before I went out I ended up having sex with you know some doctor from down the street I just I was extremely excited that I was like fuck at least I got my rocks off the night before that this happened but it it, it really put me in this state of mind where 
I really didn't know what to do with myself. And I started on this self-reflecting journey with a day-to-day struggle. Because every day was different. And I remember I had an episode. It was about four days after. In the middle, I was, it was in the middle of the night. And my, I woke up. My heart jolted to about 150 in, in my sleep. And I woke up and I thought this was it. I thought I was having a goddamn heart attack. And I had this fucking moment. I remember I was at, I was at my front door. And my heart was racing. And like I started not feeling my arms. And I had this moment of clarity in this episode. And I remember being like, I think this is it. And at that moment, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared to die. I remember calling calling my friend Rachel. She ran upstairs. She, 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 she lives in the building. And she came up. And she looked at my pale face. And I was about to drop to the floor. And she looked at me. And the ambulance was on their way. And I was like, this is it. This is fucking it. Like, this is it. And I wasn't scared at all. I was not fucking scared to die. And I remember as we were walking downstairs, the ambulance came. My heart got back to normal within five to ten minutes. And I looked at Rachel and I said, Rachel, I was totally prepared to die. Like my, my life flashed before my eyes so quickly. And I said, I was prepared to die. And then she took me up to her apartment and made me a bed on her couch. And I looked at her and I said, Rachel, if I was prepared to die and I wasn't scared, I should be unafraid to live my life to the fullest. Right then and there, everything changed. In that very moment, everything changed. I started thinking about my vicious life cycles. I started thinking about everything that I did, everything that I've been doing. And I said, fuck this. Nothing's worth my goddamn life. Not a fucking stress, not a drop of alcohol, not a fucking snort of cocaine, not a hit of a goddamn nicotine vape, not a man, not my father, not my loves, and nobody's worth my fucking life. No one should be... Nothing that I should be harboring in my life, no trauma should be worth any of this shit. And... When I was in Scottsdale, I told Allison this. And Allison had just just finished podcasting um, for her podcast, The Dead Life. And literally just finished and she was just like, little brother, you still have a long life to live. She's like, you're getting to the point where these things are happening. And 
you're going to start to reflect differently. You are going to start seeing life so different and you are going to walk it because you're hitting your, you're, you're, you're going into a new era in your life. By the way, she keeps getting on my ass about this. She's like, Drana, you need to start plugging your social media right at the beginning. I'm already like fucking 15 minutes in. But if you guys want to follow my Instagram, it's at Drayden Cruz. Same with TikTok. Actually, I think TikTok is my vicious love. No, I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I got to check this shit out. But I'm a horrible plugger. I'm going to start getting better at all this shit. She's like, you need to start plugging your shit at the beginning and not doing it at the end. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm barely 17 episodes in. Ask me this shit in like, in like 10 more. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. You know, with the, the Facebook, social media is just hard on its own, right? But it's part of the fucking, it's part of the tactic. Marketing is part of, is part of it all. So now people are like, oh, social media is so stressful, plugging you know, the podcast and your business. And I'm like, no, like, so now that I have a clear set of, because I'm, like I said, I'm about almost 40 days in of this new kind of this detox, I'm calling it. I'm not calling this sobriety because it's not sobriety. This is not sobriety. And everyone's like, you should go to AA with me. Does it look like I want to go to AA? Oh no, well, it's just people that, you know, don't want to drink and we're just part of a, you know, a sober clan. And I was like, well, I'm not sober. They're like, well, you're not drinking. I said, yeah, but I'm not sober. I, and, and, and sobriety to me is people who have chosen not to drink alcohol because it, it would turn into an addiction and it took over their lives to the point of self-destruction. Now, do I feel like I was being self-destructive? I, I feel like I, I like everyone, we have self-destructive moments. But I'm not choosing this. Like I'm I'm on I'm on doctor's orders right now, which technically is a choice because I can choose not to. But I don't need to go. I don't feel the need to go be around people that have been abusive with drugs and alcohol and hear their sad ass life start. Look, I get it. I you know, if you're in AA and you guys are, you know, you are in that group and you need to be around people. And, you know, I, by all means, that, that's good for you. It's not for me. I, I, I this is not, uh, I'm, I'm already, to, you know, talking to Dr. Doc. Am I be able to have a glass of wine like in a couple months? Cause I like to drink. I do. I love my bourbon and I love my wine. But if the doctor tells me, Dre, you can't drink like you used to. So, if you can have two bourbons a night, that's good for me. You can have one glass a night for wife. If the doctor tells me I can have one glass of wine a night for the rest of my life, and that's going to be the, 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 the extent of my drinking, trust me. If my cardiologist from Cedar sinai one of the best fucking hospitals in, fucking, in, in the United States, tells me, I can have one glass of wine for the rest of my night, uh, the rest of my life. I'm going to do it because I, I love, love the taste of wine. I love the taste of bourbon. Some people like food. I like wine and I like bourbon. There's no doubt. I have fucking $400 a piece glasses just so that I can drink bourbon out of. So this is not a sobriety thing. If the doctor tells me you can have one glass of wine 
three nights a week. You know what I'm going to do? Have one glass of wine three nights a week. And it's not that I'm addicted. It's just I like it. Right? It's something that I like. I like to drink. I love the taste of alcohol. Just like people like sweets. So retracting kind of like, sorry for going on that tangent, but where I'm getting at with this is I'm getting to the point of my life where I'm having to make life choices. I'm having to, excuse me, I had a smoothie before I jumped on. Um, I had to burp a little bit. <laughs> so bad. Um, you have to make those life choices. You have to start cleaning it up. And for me, it was like, hey, we got to get this stress levels down. We got to get this. We got to get these blood pressure fucking points down. We need to clean up your act. And that is what I have been doing. And let me tell you, my fucking fellow listeners, it has not been easy. But it's been completely rewarding. It has been so rewarding because the levels of clarity I have in my day-to-day now is absolutely insane like I just I'm I I think at such a higher level my energy as I have so much more energy my libido is through the roof all because there's no substance in my body which I can understand why people get addicted to this feeling because it is addicting I mean right now I'm going to the gym four or five days a week like my body I have seen a significant change in my body, in the way that I look, in my appearance, in my skin texture, in the way that I sleep. Everything is so different. And I have this patience that I didn't have before. And also, I'm able to process things with a different mindset. Even the way that I'm speaking to you guys right now. It's it, I, I'm at some fucking different frequency right now. And all of this started because I was dealing with so many personal demons. And I still feel that my heart is broken, but it's broken for more than one reason. I feel like I've been harboring so much trauma. So much that I've just put in this like in this box but I haven't been able to contain it anymore and it's 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 bleeding into my day-to-day and and when you have a broken heart which I feel like I do so much things that I have regretted and so many things that I hurt for that I you know I I, sometimes I live in the coulda woulda shoulda when when I shouldn't live there but you know, when it comes to family, like last year was such a huge, like family, I, I, my family broke my heart last year. There were some key family members who absolutely just shat all over my fucking road. Some of my friends did the same thing too. Some of my lovers. And I can't blame them for it. That's, they're just doing what they do. They don't know that they're pieces of shit. You know, in, in their eyes, they don't see it that way. In my mom, I'm like, okay, yeah, when are you going to open your eyes to what what you're doing? But I walked away from everybody. I just started walking around like, you know what? You are not good. You are not healthy. 
and I need to not be around you anymore. And some people just walked off on their own and, and, and it worked out perfectly. But then when you're sitting by yourself processing the things that happen to you in life, you start to reflect and that and in the reflection you start having the issues because then you get angry about things you get sad about things and your heart starts to hurt. your heart starts to hurt and that has that's what's happened with me is that i've come to the point where i'm now processing my life at its entirety and i'm shedding a lot of dead weight and I'm shedding a lot of dead skin but because it was so much to handle I was coping in the morning drinking alcohol getting to 100 not alcohol drinking caffeine and sometimes I was drinking alcohol in the morning drinking caffeine first thing in the morning to get my day started jolting be at 100% and then after being at fucking 100% all day from 7 in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it was let's have a drink to bring myself down. And from 5 to 10 o'clock at night, I was coping with my day-to-day -day life every single day, bringing myself up and bringing myself down. Every single day, up and down and up and down. And that shit starts taking an effect on you. It starts putting a damper because then you're like, why am I so stressed out? Why do I have so much anxiety? Why is my blood pressure up? Why am I not able to perform at the gym? Why am I not able to do these things? And then you're wondering because I'm getting loaded with fucking caffeine as soon as I get up. And then I'm fucking bringing myself down with alcohol until I fall asleep. Then I'm wondering why I'm having all palpitations. Why I'm having our issues. Why I'm stressed out. Why I'm angry. Why I'm fucking sad. Why I'm wanting to fucking blow up a building. You know what I mean? Why I'm fucking wanting to destroy someone's life. You know, you start having all these, these, these things go down and you start wondering. And we hold on to all this pain and it bleeds into our bodies. It bleeds into our mind. And it's not healthy at all. So how do we fix a broken heart? First, you have to identify why your heart is broken. I think, sorry, I believe that when you're writing things down on a piece of paper, right? One day, write, get a piece of paper and write down the things that hurt you. Write down the things that stress you out. Write down the things that make you angry. And then for each word, do an outline and brainstorm them. And even if there's five words, it is going to break down to such a bigger thing that you can start figuring out the root of the problem. And when you figure out the roots, because it's roots, it's not just a root. It is roots. Like plants have roots. And they go, it could be one plant, but the fucking roots are everywhere. And if you can find where the stem of each root is, that's when you find the root of the problems. Because it's not just one problem, it is problems. 
For me, last year, it was finally cutting my fucking dad out of my life. And everyone's saying, but that's your dad. He gave you life. You need to love him. Fuck that shit. I can forgive that bastard for all the shit that he did. Right? I could forgive him, but I don't have to accept him in my life because he's still a rotten sack of shit who will always be a rotten bastard to the core. Just like my uncles, my mom's brothers, one who sexually molested me and the other one who physically abused me. That's your family. No, I don't give a shit. They can both rot in the darkest pits of hell for all I care. But for me to sit there and play nice just to be around them, knowing of what things that they've done to me, Think about that. If someone has abused you and someone has caused so much trauma to you and then you are forcing yourself to try to be around these horrible people and then you wonder why you're having so many problems in your health and in your mental space because you are sitting there indulging in a generational curse just because their family no. Just like I, I, you know, I, I, when I finally came clean about my uncle sexually, one of my uncles sexually molesting me as a kid, I told my family and I said, look, I don't want to bring this up. I don't want to like I'm, I'm bringing this up because I'm bringing it up. But I'm not, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like have any smoke over. I'm just letting you guys know what happened in my life. And so many questions were asked during that time. And I answered them. I went into detail. I kind of held some stuff back because I felt like I just personally, I was like, nobody needs to know this. And I was like, you know what? Do what you want to do, but I'm not going to be around this person. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm not trying to put him in jail. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm letting you guys know what's happening, but there's no way in hell you guys are getting me in the same room. They're like, maybe you guys need to have a sit down and talk about this. So I was like, if you put me in a room with this man, I'm going to go to jail. Like, I have been avoiding this my whole life. And now you want to put me, you want me to sit down. And then I sat there and thought about it. I was like, you know what? You're right. Put me in a fucking room with this motherfucker. Let me get this shit off my chest. Right? Let me see if I can control myself to the point of, I don't want to beat this man to death. Why don't I just finally release the things that I've been dying to say to this person and stop holding it in? Right? That's what we do. We hold things in because we're so afraid to face the issues because sometimes it's like, you got to be the bigger person. No, you do not have to be the bigger person. Sometimes you have to get down to that level with these fucking people so you can feel better. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about how you can make yourself feel better. Fuck what the fuck their emotions are they gonna they're gonna be because they didn't care about you. They did these things to you. They didn't care about how you felt. If you were a little kid, you were innocent. You didn't know they perverted your innocence. Some people go murder them. They go will burn like they turn into crazy psychopaths because they couldn't release that energy elsewhere. So like for me right now that I'm not that I'm in a in a clear in a clear state of mind, I'm 
going through my demons in the healthiest way I seen possible. I'm just like, you know, I'm working out every day. I'm reading. I'm focusing on work. I'm focusing on my future. I'm focusing on my happiness. And I'm not allowing these entities to penetrate my life. Because I don't want them to. Because if I die, they win. They're still, their rotten asses are still living. But you, I tell my mom this all the time because my mom has had the one of the worst stories of, I'm talking about, I've met a lot of people with fucked up paths. My mother has one, ices the cake with her trauma and the things that happened to her. But my mom is the most beautiful soul. My mom cares for everybody. She has this deep compassion for people. The broken souls that she sees, she tries to help because nobody fucking helped her. Nobody ever gave her nothing. Her family and her friends and everyone shat all over her. And then I wonder why my mom does that, did the things that she did. And still does sometimes. But man, I protect my mother as much as I can. You know, family, my family used to shit on her. They used to shit on her big time. And then when I would fight her, fight and fight for her, they would come at me. But also I was younger. But now that I'm a grown ass man, ain't nobody fucking with my mother. My brother too, my brother Brandon. Ain't no, you ain't. The, uh, people understand now. You come for my mom, you are going to have to deal with her two pet bulls who have no mercy for nobody fucking with our mother. Because we've seen what these people did to her. We've seen what family blood did to her. It's like, no, man. As I tell my mama, I love you so much. I can do, I, I will walk to hell and back for you. I will fucking go dance with the devil and give him a handy for you because I love you so much. Because even though my mom sometimes has a funny way of expressing her love, that woman has done the most for me. She may not have been around and you know what? She may not have been the best mother because she was young, but I appreciate her so much because my mother no matter what, will always have my back. And during this time of self-reflection, I'm starting to see the friends in my family who do have my back. And the people that actually cared when my health started to, you know, started acting up. It's not fading. I'm healthy. The doctors have said that I'm, I'm, I'm in good health. They're just trying to figure out what's, what's triggering this irregular heartbeat. You know, so I'm having to go on this health kick right now and it's, and it's been really challenging, but it's been so beneficial because I'm starting to reflect about things. It's just like Matthew, who I was talking about at the beginning. Matthew was a catalyst of kind of like, I want to say the nail in the coffin that helped end, that helped in aid of the end of my last relationship. And... For the longest time, I was so fucking mad at Matthew. I was so pissed off at him. But it wasn't Matthew's fault. 
it wasn't Matthew's fault. It was mine. I should have stopped it. I, I, it was right there happening but underneath my nose and I just didn't stop it at all. It just, it just didn't stop, you know, and, and he didn't know what, what the hell was going on behind closed doors. He was just under the illusion that there was all kinds of nonsense happening in my home. I can't be mad at him for that. I can't. Whatever, whatever narrative was getting fed to him, I cannot be mad at that. If someone was, because that's what ends up happening when you're in these abusive relationships and they go find supply from someone else and the supply has no idea what's truly going on at the house. And I, at the end of the day, I can't sit there and say that I wasn't innocent either. But now that I am in a better state of, 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 of I'm in a better mental state, I'm starting to reflect. I'm starting to reflect on the things that I did wrong and what put myself here and how I was coping with my life, how I was coping with my traumas. And if if the doctors come back and tell me, you know what, Drayden, you're not going to be able to drink again. It's your life or drinking. I'm choosing my life because I've seen when people choose the alcohol and when people choose the drugs, I've gone to their funerals. I've seen them deteriorate. That is not the life I am choosing to live. There's not a fucking substance in this world that I need to put into my body that is going to cost me years. After battling with crystal meth and cocaine and ketamine and fucking molly and you name it, I did it all. Heroin, I did it all. I stopped doing meth 10 years ago. When I overdosed after my grandfather's funeral, after my uncle gave me a blast of what I thought was cocaine, was methamphetamine. Put me in the hospital for three fucking days. Just like my last my last bit of cocaine. Just like the last time I did ecstasy. Just like the last time I smoked weed and the last time I did ketam uh, fucking molly. I just don't feel the need to put that shit in my body. The last cigarette I smoked. And if this is me having to exit alcohol, then this is me exiting alcohol. This is my body telling me, yo, wake the fuck up. Your heart can't handle this. Your brain can't handle this. How much more trauma are you going to fucking inflict upon yourself? How much more bullshit are you going to do for what to hide things that, that happened in your past? No, absolutely not. Face them, process them, deal with them. I've been meditating a lot more, going in nature, taking fucking walks. Like I'm constantly moving and keeping myself lubricated so that I can fix my broken heart. Facing my demons. And you should be facing your demons too. My, 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 um, Allison's husband, Joe told me, you know, Drayden, I listened to your podcast and he's like, it's been the breakup show. I said, yeah, Joe, this is what it started. And he's like, okay, what does it look like after that though? When does your life start and that end? 
And he's like, when does it start being about your broken heart and your broken mental space and start being about positivity and getting over that? And say, you know what? That's that's a good fucking question, Joe. That's a good question. And I said, I think my heart hiccup in January is the start to this new path. And and I can't stress it enough to take care of yourself. To take care of your health. You only have, you know, my grandma, my dad's mom would always tell me in Spanish. We only have one body. So treat it as a temple because you're not going to get another one. And she was right. And I wish that she would have practiced what she preached because she held in a lot of stress. My grandmother died of one of the rarest forms of brain cancer almost 20 years ago. Actually, no. Yeah, almost 20 years ago. And she stressed herself out so much. That woman brought her whole entire, migrated her whole entire family from El Salvador to the United States. Carried them all on their motherfucking backs. Gave them a home. Gave them jobs. Gave them everything. And they all fucking kicked their ass to the curb. Because they were jealous of her success. Instead of praising her. For giving them a new life. They shat all over her. Things that she wasn't able to control. She held in. Because she wanted to. She was the head of the family. She wanted to unite everybody. And all that stress. And she was a one tough motherfucking nail. That woman was one of the toughest people I've ever met in my life. But, and everyone always praised her for it, but, and I praise her for it, but I saw what being a tough ass nail does to you. I've seen multiple family members die of illness because they were tough nails. Because they didn't know how to, they didn't know how to release that fucking internal shit. They don't know how to, how, to, how to let it go. And that's how we get sick. That's how we get heart disease. That's how we get cancer, stress, harboring, pain. Not letting it go. Not making those lifestyle changes. Eating like shit. It's not good at all. And the reason why, and everyone's like, you know, you got to be on top of the podcast. You got to fucking, you know, but Ben, but out of it, we got to do social media. And you know what? The reason why I didn't put out an episode over the past like month is because I had no coping skills, right? I was dealing with my day-to-day struggles with no coping skills. I had to figure it out. I had to figure out how to deal with my life with no substance at all. None. I don't even drink fucking, I mean, the only thing that my vice right now is sugar. And I'm finally starting to, be a little floozy again. But I'm happy to even control that. Because that's not healthy. Right? Me going out and banging half the city is not healthy. That is not healthy at all. Because that's another coping mechanism. That is me putting a band, putting sex as a band-aid instead of facing my fucking demons. 
I'm sitting here using sex as a fucking, as a vessel. You abusing my body as a vessel for what? To process some shit that happened to me as a fucking kid? No, bro. It's time to face the music. To truly face the music. But allowing myself the grace to do so. So, that's why I took my time to produce this episode. Because I needed to feel comfortable with myself and get in a better state of mind to where I was able to have this this dialect and this agenda and this and this you know perspective where it was coming from a good place and it was not coming from woe is me because there this is not a, not a woe is me story this is not me trying to get anyone to sympathize for me or show me any pity this is me being empathetic to everyone's cause and understanding how tough it is to let go of things and how tough it is to mend a broken heart after it's been broken multiple times by the people that we love. But at what point do we take the responsibility for your broken heart? Because after a while, you chose the life and you continue to choose the life that you live meaning that broken hearted the broken heart syndrome that you inflict upon yourself is because you are choosing that to continue on that vicious cycle and not mend not fix it's like the uh, the ancient japanese art of fixing the plate with the gold Pick that broken heart and break, put some fucking gold on it. I can't think of the, the actual name of the process. I'll have to look it up. But look at those broken pieces of fucking, that, that broken plate with that gold on there, with that beautiful metal. It turns into the most miraculous piece of art you can find that's so reinforced. That it's, that's not breaking again. And if it is breaking, the gold part's not breaking. The plate's breaking. But if you reinforce, if you're a porcelain plate, right, and it's broken into seven fucking pieces, and you're using platinum, titanium, and gold to put that plate together, that plate is gonna be stronger than it was when it first started. And also, it is gonna look more beautiful than ever. Be that fucking plate. That's what I'm starting to do is I'm starting to become that fucking plate. Because I don't want to hurt. I don't want this to affect my health. I, I want to be able to wake up. You know, now all I think about is like, I can't wait to buy my house in the South. I can't wait to thrive my business here in California even more. I can't wait to expand my horizons for me. I can't wait. Now I'm like, okay, I'm almost getting ready to start dating again, right? I'm not going to be a fucking jaded asshole. Oh, oh, my God, my heart broken. My last relationship didn't work out. I was engaged. No, bro. Find true love. I want to be able to find it again. And people are like, well, you know, what about if your ex comes back into my life? Then he comes back into my life. That's none of your fucking business. It's my business. 
I know for a damn fact that's never going to happen. But if it did, that is nobody's business but my own. If I decide to get with Eddie, if Eddie and I live happily ever after, which it's not going to happen, but I'm using this in theory. My ex, my first ex, the first love of my life, and Eddie and I decide to get back together and live happily ever after in an open relationship or whatever the hell we decide to do, that is our fucking business. Nobody is going to inter fucking intertwine or give me feedback or their opinion that I if I didn't ask for your opinion, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, shut up. You're not affecting me because I'm, I'm, I'm the one on the healing journey. And I'm going to make my own decisions. And if I'm choosing to ask you for your advice, then give it to me. If I'm not asking for your opinion and this is what my heart's telling me to do, I'm doing it. Because when you pick that plate back up and you put that gold and you're making this into this miraculous centerpiece, at that point, you're able to make your own decisions. And you shouldn't let anyone guilt you or make you feel bad for what makes your heart happy. And I feel at the end of the day, you know what's going to make your heart happy. If you're doing the work, you are going to understand what it takes because you yourself got on the floor, picked up your plate pieces, and reinforced them with gold. That is growth. That is moving forward. And that was a good fucking comeback episode. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I This was good. But I'm so glad that you guys tuned in. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. I've got my groove back. So like I said, I, you know, I'll, I'll let me start pushing uh, more content out for you, more social media stuff. Find me on TikTok. Find me on Instagram. I'll be, be on Twitter soon. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and catch you soon. I'm glad that. Wow, 54 minutes to 55 minutes. Fuck it, let's do this. All right, guys, see you soon. Talk to you later. Thank you for tuning in.